So we begin Perik Gimel in Yeshua today. Perik Bays ended with the return of the spies to Yoshua. They made the report. They reported that the morale was uh, had been devastated among the among the inhabitants of Yericho, and they would be able to invade successfully. That Hashem that Hashem has given the whole land into our hands. They were very optimistic that Hashem would enable them to conquer Yericho. So Perigimel begins by Ashkem Yoshua Baboker. Yoshua arose in the morning. By Yisume Hashitim, the, the the camp of the Jews at that point was in a place called Shitim. So they traveled from Shitim. By Yavo at Hayardin, Shitim was near the Yardin. They, they they the spies had come back. They had the green light to enter to enter Yericho. Now they were going to begin the actual entry into Eretz Canaan, crossing the Jordan, and the conquest of the land. So they they reached the Yardin. Huvachal Bnei Yisrael, Yeshua, and the entire and the entire nation, all the people. And spent the night there before they crossed the Yardin. Why did they not cross the Yardin that night? So the the Mepharshim discuss this. The, the commentaries discuss why they why they didn't want why they didn't want to cross at night. And the Mepharshim say they're all bag uh, and others that the that they, they, this was going to be a great mace. They were going to cross the Yardin, not simply by walking through the shallow water or by taking a ferry. They were going to cross the Yardin by an epic biblical miracle where Hashem was going to split the Yardin, which is what we're going to learn about, we're going to study later in this parak and the next parak. It was a great nace paralleling the nace of Kriyas Yamsuf. And the, Hashem wanted this nace to be public. When, when, when Hashem makes a nace, the Mepharshim tell us, we, we see this back in the Psukim and Sefer Shmos, when Hashem makes a nace, there are often two... Two, two different purposes for the nace. One purpose is the pragmatic purpose. Hashem wants to accomplish something. The Jews had to get out of Egypt, so Hashem made Nisim to batter the Mitzrayim, to compel them to let the Jews go, to defeat them in battle. Hashem wanted to help the, the Jews enter Yericho, so he helped them cross the Yardin, he made the walls fall down. So one reason always is to accomplish some tangible goal. The other aspect of Nisim is often to make a Kiddush Hashem, to demonstrate to the world, to Klai Yisrael, to the world in general, the, the power of Hashem, as we saw you. Rachav said, we heard about all the great Nisim that happened, that, uh, that, that, that happened to the Jews. Hashem wants to, that uh, in Sirkim and Sefer Shmo say this, that, that Hashem says that the that I'm making these nisim, that in order that you tell your children, Esa Shor Esel Alti that you're going to talk about this, you're going to know this, this will be a great sign of Hashem's power. Anochi Hashem Alokecha, Shor Tzisicham Eretz Mitzrayim, the Exodus was, with the great miracles were a, were a tangible eyewitness demonstration they had of Hashem's great power. So the other aspect of nisim is to make a demonstration that Hashem runs the world and He can change the, He can override the laws of nature at will. So that, for that second purpose, so the first purpose could have been accomplished uh, by crossing the Yardin at night. It would have gotten them across one way or another. But Hashem wanted to make a, make a very public demonstration that, the, that, 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 that he was splitting the Yardin. He wanted that to happen at night. So he wanted that to happen during the day where everyone would see it, it would be more famous. So Al-Bag says that he wanted, first of all, he wanted the Jews to be more aware of what was happening. I guess if they were crossing, they would, they would, uh, they would know that they were crossing regardless, but I guess it would be more of a, uh, make more of an impression if they actually saw it happening during the day. So he wanted it to happen in the morning. Furthermore, he said he wanted it to be, he wanted the, the nace to be not just for the benefit of Klai Yisrael, he wanted the nace to, to, uh, to strike terror into the hearts of Klai Yisrael's enemies. Lahatil and therefore he did it, uh, he wanted it to happen during the day, and 
Furthermore, he says he wanted to give them more time to uh, to give them more time to psychologically to to get ready to appreciate the nace so that they would take the lesson to heart and to understand what a great nace it was. He wanted to give them a chance to contemplate what was about to happen. He wanted to prepare them. They had more time to think about it and. Uh, and, uh, and he, he, had, he had originally predicted, we'll discuss it soon, he had originally, Yeshua had originally announced we're going to cross the Yarden in three days. He wanted to, uh, he wanted to, uh, he wanted to give them the chance to, to, to wait the full three days so, would, so that, that it would happen in exactly in accordance with what he had said. Right, so that's the... They might have thought that three days meant beginning of the night. We'll discuss the chronology momentarily, but uh, he wanted to give them a chance to fully appreciate the nays. He waited until the next morning, and three days meant three full days. They waited at night, and they, even though they could have crossed now, they didn't cross till the they didn't cross till the next day. The next pasuk says pasuk beis vayehi miktei shloshes yamim. It was at the end of three days. The, the officers, the, the, the police, the, the officers went and they began giving instructions for how the crossing of the Yardin would occur, and we'll read about that in the next few psukim. This reference to Miktei Shloshes Yamim, the end of three days, what three days? We actually had, in the previous prakim, we actually had two references to three day periods. Back in Perak Aleph, back in Perak Aleph, Pasikud Aleph, it says, again, the Shotrim, it says, the Pasigur had said, Yeshua had given instruction several days ago to the Shotrim to relay his commands to the nation, saying, Prepare provisions for the, for the trip. In after three, subsequent three days later, in three days from now, you're going to cross the yard. So that is that. That's this shloshes yamim that at the end of three days, Yoshua had given them uh, an announcement, advance warning, prepare, pack, and get ready because you're going to cross in three days. yamim. So at the end of three days, as promised, as as foretold, the Jews were now about to cross the yard. There was another three days we had, of course. There was another three days we had in Perak Beis. That when Rachav was uh, facilitating the spies' escape from Yericho, she said, "Run to the mountains, hide three days, hide three days in the mountains," and that's what they did. It says in the end of Parak Beis and Pasachav Beis, it says, "Vayelachu vayavo ahara vayeshvu sham shloshes yamim." The spies hid in the mountains for three days, ad shavu harodfim, until the pursuers gave up and turned back. And they couldn't find them. And then it says, After the pursuers, the, the trail had gone cold, the pursuers left. Then they left the mountains and they went back to Yeshua and made their report. That also took three days. So there is a question here, actually, whether Yeshua's initial command that you're going to cross the Yardin in three days, and now it happened after three days, they crossed the Yardin. Did that happen before or after the adventures of the spies? So the... The... The Matudas David, back in Perak Aleph, he says, even though in Perak Aleph he said, in three days you're going to cross, and the, and the affair of the spies is Perak Bays, it's out of order, he says. He says, we have to assume that, the, the, that, the, that, the, that Yeshua's order is prepared, we're crossing in three days, actually happened after the spies had left, while the spies were in Yericho. He says, because we know that the spies were, were hiding in the mountains for three days. 
So if Yeshua said, we're going to cross in three days, and then he sent the spies, and then the spies were in the mountains for three days, and only then they came back, and only the next day did they cross the Arjun, that's more than three days from when Yeshua said, we're going to cross in three days, because the spies, were, the spies themselves were hiding for three days, and then there was another day before they crossed. So that would have been more than three days from the original order. So the Matsuda Savage says, because of this problem, he says that the that these that these two these two points of the narrative are actually out of order. Yeshua gave an order of three days, but that was after the spies had already left and begun their their adventures in Yericho. The Torah wrote it earlier, the Navi wrote it earlier, but it actually happened later. Other Mefarshim understand differently. Other Mefarshim explain how the three days of the spies weren't three full 24-hour periods. There were two nights and so on and three days. And, and it actually fit in in between, I think. I'm a little confused about all the different calculations of how they make the chronology. But others learned that it actually ha- it actually did happen in order that the three days of the spies actually fit within the three days of, of Yehoshua's orders that they would cross in three days. We actually know that not all the events here are, are dated with an exact uh, date and timestamp like we might like, but uh, like might be helpful. But we actually know what day they crossed the Arden because that day is given to us in Paragdalad. We're still in the beginning of Paragimel. We're still at the very beginning of Paragimel, but at the end of Paragdalad, at the end of Paragdalad, it talks about toward the end of Paragdalad. It talks about the, 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 the Paragimel and Paragdalad both discuss crossing the Yardin. Paragimel discusses the preparation, the entering the Yardin, the beginning of the crossing. Paragdalad describes the end of the crossing, the emerging from the Yardin. The, the Parag ends on kind of a uh, cliffhanger. The Jews are in the Yardin, they've, they've entered into dry land in the Yardin, and then Paragdalad continues the narrative. So in Paragdalad, it, it, it says when they left the Yardin, we assume they entered and left on the same day, I think, but when, when, when they left the Yardin, it says... The people emerged from the Arden, they came up and out of the Arden. I guess a river, you know, a river is always uh, a depression of the ground. When you cross the river, you go down and then up again. You see your Olum and Yarden, you emerge, you climb out of the Arden. The 10th day of the first month in, in the Jewish calendar, of course, the first month is Nisan. So the Basr Lachodesh Arishon is that they, they emerge from the Arden on the 10th of Nisan. That much we know. There is a lot of discussion in the Mepharshim here in Paragimel, elsewhere in these Prakman Yoshua, about exactly when Moshe died. The exact chronology, we, we don't know, in Torah Shavuksav doesn't tell us exactly when Moshe died. There's a famous tradition, he died on Zion Adar. Chavar Kadisha has uh, an event often on Zion Adar, to, which is connected to the, de- to the death of Moshe Rabbeinu, birth and death of Moshe Rabbeinu. So the, the standard of chronology is that he died on he died on Zion Adar. They spent thirty days. Uh, I think that's Psukim. They, they spent thirty days mourning Moshe. Nothing happened during those thirty days. Hashem did not appear in any form of nevuah to Yeshua during the period of Avel Moshe because a navi, when he's mourning, do, doesn't get nevuah. The Elisha, the historian say from Malachim, Elisha was once angry at uh, one of the Rishar, one of the kings who was a Russia. And then when he wanted to prepare himself for Nebuah, he said, I need a musician. I'm so angry and in a black state of mind. I can't have Nebuah now. I need, uh, I need a musician to, to cheer me up before I can have Nebuah. So for the 30, day, for the 30 days of, uh, of Evel Moshe, there was no Nebuah. The story in Sefer Yeshua, where Hashem, Yeshua began, Hashem speaks to Yeshua and says, you're, you're going to take over, I'm going to be with you like I was, uh, like I was with uh, Moshe. That, this whole narrative begins after the 30 days of Evel Moshe, 30 days later, which would have been Zion Nisan, and, the, and right then, the, he died on Zion Adar, so 30 days later is Zion, uh, Zion Nisan, and then, and then he said, three days later, you're going to cross the Yardin, and that was the 10th of Nisan that, that we read about here, 
that they finally finally crossed the Yarden on the tenth of Nisan. Again, the exact details whether whether, whether these days are all exact, whether he really died at Zaynada or a little bit earlier. That there are doctors a lengthy discussion about it. It's a lot of technical discussion exactly how the chronology worked out, but broadly speaking. This is that, that, that we know that Moshe was still alive in Shmat. The Torah tells us that Moshe had still been alive in the month of Shmat. And we know that the Jews finally left the Yardin uh, on the 10th of Nisan, and that happened at least 30 days after Moshe died. So the chronology is more or less... Uh, the, 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 we, have, we have limits on how far you can stretch this in either direction. The, the, the Yardin story ends on 10th of Nisan, and Moshe was still alive in Zion Adar. So somewhere in the period of the, in Zion Shmat, somewhere in those two, peri- in those two months... Moshe died, 30 days of mourning, three days of preparation, crossing the Yardin, and they finally crossed on the, on the 10th of Nisa. Um, incidentally, I have to mention something here, a favorite point. So we, we mentioned, the Mepharshim say, explain here, that Yoshua could not have Nevoah during the period of Evel Moshe, because during mourning period, the, the, you're sad, and when you're sad, you can't have Nevoah. Sounds like a Hasidish idea that simcha is so important for Avodah Hashem, but, but this is this is an old idea of Midrashim that a navi can't have nevuah while he is. Uh, that's what it says. Also, they bring that they, they, they bring that when 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 the when Yaakov was reunited with Yosef after after all the years after all the years Yosef was away, twenty two years Yosef had been sold to Egypt, been in, languished in prison, been elevated to the Mishnah Lamelech, the viceroy position, and finally Yaakov reunited with him. Later, so it says that all those years, all those years, he did not have, he did not have nevuah. That it, it says finally, when finally when he, uh, uh, he so the Radak brings the story of Elisha Kuli Menagin. Also, he says Yaakov Avinu. It says Vatachi Ruach Yaakov. When Yaakov was reunited with Yosef in Parshas Baigash, it says when he met, it says Vatachi Ruach Yaakov. The spirit of Yaakov was revived. So on a simple level, it just means he had been depressed and, uh, and his spirits were down, and now his spirits revived. But there's a midrash. The Targum says, Uncle says, what is but what does the spirit of Yaakov mean? It means b'sharas ruach nevuah al Yaakov avuhan, the spirit of prophecy. But the ruach means he, he got the spirit of prophecy. All the days of Avil of Yosef, he couldn't have nevuah. He couldn't have nevuah. So this idea that of Chazal, that this ancient idea that a rabbi can't have nevuah, while he said, it comes up also in Parshas. In Parshas told us, it says that. Yitzchak thought he, his life was nearing an end, so he told Esav, "Go, go hunt and go bring me delicacies, and I'll eat your delicious food." In order that my soul can bless you before I die. So the Mefarshim, so we know how the story ended. That Yaakov um, inserted himself in and brought him food, and with, with Rivka's connivance, Yaakov uh, did it. But Yitzchak had stipulated that I want you to bring me delicious food, matamim, delicacies, I want you to bring me delicious food so I can give you a bracha. So the Mepharshim asked him, Yitzchak, you know, did, Yitzchak was, uh, was a great tzaddik, surely, a great, uh, an elevated person. He was, he was fixated on food, he wanted delicacies. You know, what was the, okay, it's, uh, you know, people need food to live, and it's, uh, you know, Hashem wants us to, to, you know, to, to live and enjoy the world as well, but why, why does Yitzchak make such a big deal out of delicacies? So there is a chant of some commentaries that it was the same idea. Yitzchak was saying that the bracha that he would, that he would be giving involved nevuah. He wasn't just giving him a nice bracha like we give. He was giving a bracha that was based on nevuah, that what, 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 he, what, what he would see with prophetic spirit, that what the destiny of, uh, of Esau was and how he could uh, enable that and, and facilitate that. So the brachas would involve nevuah. So Yitzchak was saying that just like later, thousands of years later, Elisha was going to need 
a, a musician in order to be in, an, in, a, in a joyous frame of mind to have nevuah. So Yitzchak wanted to be in a, in a, in a, in a good mood after, uh, after eating delicious food to be able to give Esav a proper bracha. The Ralbag is very unhappy with this pshat. Ralbag says, I do not accept this, he says. I cannot accept such a pshat. He says, it's true. You see from Elisha, it's true. This idea is true that a Navi has to be in, in, a, uh, in a positive frame of mind, in a joyous frame of mind. But a Navi, to be, to that, that food would do that for him, he says. I mean, music is more of a spiritual thing. It's more of an elevated uh, sensation. But food, that, that's what makes a Navi in a good mood, having a delicious meal. He says, all right, other Mephrash from hell, people are human. Hashem made us human. We have bodies, and food makes us happy sometimes. But the Rabag doesn't want to hear that. The Rabag says, if a Navi has to cheer up, he uses something more more ethereal, more spiritual, not not food. Okay. Sorry? It's a tough idea to apply to Jeremiah that he has to be happy. Oh, because he was always uh, he was always pessimistic and always right. That's a good point. But the Nevi'im were often upset. They were often outraged, outraged at the hate, outraged at the way they were treated. They were often uh, very doom and gloom about the future of Klal Yisrael. Yeah, it's a good point. Elio also, Elio Navi, as we discussed, was a great zealot and he was furious with Klal Yisrael. Hashem appeared to him and said, what are you doing here? He said, Kano kanesi l'ashem Yisrael, I'm furious. They killed all the Nabiim, they're after me, I'm the last one left. He was not happy there either. He, he was so angry, they're all bags, that he couldn't even listen to, uh, couldn't even understand Hashem's message to him. All right, yeah, so it, it, it's an interesting question. How do we square this with the case of Nabiim, who were clearly furious, who still had, who still had Nabiim? It's a good question. Okay. But in any event, so, 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 this, is what, this is what happened. The spies returned to Yoshua. The Jews may begin to travel toward the Yardin. They, they, they encamp on the, on the banks of the Yardin. They, they spend the night there. And then, the next morning, at the end of three days, three full days from when Yeshua told them, prepare, pack, prepare provisions, you know, pack yourself up and get ready for crossing the Yardin. So now, as we said, the Shoterim, the, the officers, the, those who were in charge of uh, administering and uh, running the, the encampment, they began to, uh, to issue orders as follows. What did they say? They commanded the people in Pasagimel as follows. You're going to see, when you see the Aron, the Ark of the Covenant, the, would travel in front of the Jewish people, when you see the Ark, and the Kohanim, the Levim, were carrying the Aron. Kohanim were, uh, were a subset of the Levim. They, they came from Shevet Levi. And you travel, and you follow the, you follow the Aaron. Some of the Mefarshim say that in the Midbar, earlier, in the, the earlier phase of their travels, we know back in Parshish B'Shalach, it says there was an Amud Anan, a pillar of cloud, a divine manifestation that would guide them during the day. An Amud Eish Lila, there was a fiery pillar that would, there was a, there was a fiery pillar at night. So this was something new. So the Jews were used to following the pillar of cloud and fire. The instructions here was, Instructions here were, we have a new system now. Now you're going to be following the Aaron, so turn your focus away. Rashi brings this. This travel was different from their previous travels. As long as Moshe was alive, they had the, they had the, they had the pillar of, of the, the pillars were, the, the, the pillar of cloud would, would lead them. The Aaron did not travel in front. The Aaron, we, we read about this in Parashas Baloscha, I think. There were four, four, four sections of Jews, four Degolim, four Four Degolim, each one had three Shvatim in it, and the Aaron would be in the middle. The first would be two Degolim, Degol Machna Yehuda, another one of the Degolim, then the Aaron, and then two more Degolim. The Aaron did not travel in front. So this was an entirely new system. 
that the that the cloud was not in place right now, and that the and that the now it was the Aaron leading them. So now the Kohanim said, "This is the new the new system. The Aaron will now travel in front, not in middle, and you now follow the Aaron." Why was there no cloud? So the some of the Mefarshim point out that there's a famous midrash. It says that when the Jews were in the desert, they, they, there were three great chasadim, three great gifts that Hashem gave them. There were the clouds, uh, which sheltered them and guided them. There was, there was the be'er, there was a, there was a, there was a be'er of Miriam, the, the, the rock that gave them water, and then there was the month. And the, and the Chazal tell us that, that each of these was, what, what, that the, the Jews also, parallel, in a parallel way, the Jews had three great leaders, Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam. It says that, based on a Pasuk in Navi, I think somewhere, it says, I gave you, uh, I gave you three great leaders. I sent you Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam. And Chazal uh, make, make this parallel. They say the, the Be'er, the be'er was, was in the schus of Miriam, and the Mon was in the schus of, Mon was in the schus of Moshe, and the Anon was in the schus of Aaron. It says when Miriam died, the, the Be'er seized operations. Chazal read this into the Psukim. It said in, in the story in Pasha's Chukas, where they had the story of the Meimariva, where Moshe hit the rock, and Hashem became angry at him and said, Yan lo you didn't have faith in me, you didn't make a Kiddush Hashem, therefore you're not going to enter Eretz Canaan. So, so that story, again, what exactly Moshe did wrong is a subject of a tremendous uh, debate and confusion in the Mepharshim. Moshe did something wrong. The, w- the way the Torah relates that story, it says that Batamashah Miriam, Miriam died in Pasha's Chukas, Shamayim, there was no water, and the people came and congregated and complained to Moshe, we have no water, we need water. And, and Hashem told Moshe to speak to the rock, and Moshe hit the rock and made some kind of mistake, and Moshe was punished for it. So all that is connected to Miriam's death. So Chazal said the connection to Miriam's death was that the, that the previously there had been a be'er of Miriam, that the, there was a rock that gave there was a rock that gave water supernaturally in the schos of Miriam. Miriam died, so that be'er shut down, and it was brought back by Moshe. Although he made this mistake in doing it, it was brought back by Moshe. But the, but the point was that that the, the, all along throughout Miriam's life, the water had come in the schos of Miriam, and the. And uh, but, but all these things, so the coin to Chazal, all these things came originally in the schus of these three great leaders. When each one died, there was a problem, but they returned eventually in the schus of Moshe until finally Moshe died, and then they lost all three. They lost the man, they lost the bear, they lost the Ananim. That's why the man, they were still eating leftover man, but the man was basically over. They were going to start eating now from the produce of Eretz Canaan. And the, and, the, and the clouds as well. There were no clouds anymore, so that's why they said, now we're following the Aaron, not the, not the cloud. Because Miriam had just died, you mean? Yeah. Right. So that's a, right. That's an interesting point. Miriam had just died. So that's an interesting point. Lewis is pointing out, according to what we just said, that, uh, that he was depressed because he was mourning his, his sister, who, who, his beloved sister, as the Rambam says. And it, it does say Hashem spoke to him. Hashem said, "Hit the rock." That's an interesting question. If, if we just said you can't be, you can't have nevuah while you were, uh, that's another example. Like you said, we find we do seem to find some counter examples. And furthermore, Lewis is pointing out if he, if he was in. Uh, if he was in a depressed state of mind, that that could have maybe influenced also why he made this mistake, why he got angry more quickly, perhaps. There, there's also, there's, there's, there's also, I have to digress again. There's a fascinating Ralbach, one of the most, uh, one of the most charming things I've ever seen in the in the Parsha Nuta Mikra. The, so again, the, the, there's an obvious, uh, there's an obvious urge to draw a connection here. It says Miriam died, and there was no water, and Moshe hit the rock and made a terrible mistake and was punished. What's the connection? So we said previously, we said Chazal's shot in the connection. The connection was that because Miriam died, the, the heir of Miriam stopped providing water, and there was a crisis, and then Moshe made a mistake in the crisis and was punished. 
That's a standard shot that, that, people, that, that we learned. Gral Bag has an alternate shot. He says, Moshe made a terrible mistake by, in, in, the, in the affair of hitting the rock. Whatever it was, dozens of shots and what the mistake was exactly, Moshe made some kind of terrible mistake. Says the Gral Bag, Miriam was his wise big sister. She was in the via in her own right. He said, had Miriam been alive, Moshe might have consulted her about what to do, taken advice from her, and might have avoided this terrible error for which he was punished. He says it was because his Miriam was dead, that's what, that's what facilitated his making this mistake. It's an amazing thing. The Moshe Rabbeinu, the Adun Shal Kol the person who spoke to God, Pel Peh, the greatest leader, Lokam Navi Yisrael Kamosha Od, the greatest, the most impressive leader we ever had, the one who gave us the Torah. Even Moshe Rabbeinu, his big sister, could have had, could have helped him out. His big sister was uh, could have could have given him good advice that could have saved him from making this catastrophic mistake. Okay, but the so anyway, so, so anyway, so, so that, that that's what some say. Some say that this idea that now they were traveling following the Aron and no longer and no longer following the the Aron is because. Because when each of the three great leaders died, when each of the three great leaders died, they, his or her gift stopped, but eventually came back in the course of the remaining ones of Moshe. Finally, when Moshe died, they were all gone, so there was no more Anan. So now the Jews would be following the Aaron and not the, and not the Aaron. Uh, this business of the, the Kohanim carrying the Aaron is also a question. There, there, there is some debate about who carried the Aaron but who carried the Aaron? We know that in the Midbar, it's explicit psukim that the Levim carried the Aaron. It says there was there was three there was three shvatim that carried there were three families within Levi that carried all the all the material of the Mishkan, the Mishkan itself, and its kalim. There was Gershon, Kaas, and Merari, and Kaas, Shevet Kaas carried the carried the Aaron and the and the, and the kalim, and, and and it was not carried by Kohanim explicitly. It's not carried exclusively by Kohanim. So what is this about? What is this about Levim? So. Some say that, that, that some say that in general, some say that in general, the in general, Levim could carry the Aron. In certain specific cases, like this one, Hashem wanted it to be specifically Kohanim. In this special grand affair of crossing the Yarden, Hashem wanted Kohanim for some reason. But in general, Levim could carry it as well. Others say the Rambam says that, that in general only Kohanim can carry the Aron, but the. But in the Midbar, there was a special dispensation, I'm not sure why, but a special dispensation to allow Levim. So everyone agrees that in the Midbar, it was Levim, the Shevet Kahasi, the sub-tribe of Kahas, was carrying the Aaron. Everyone agrees that here in the story of Yericho, it was Kohanim, specifically were carrying it. The question was, what's the general rule? Is the general rule Dafka Kohanim, and the exception was the Shevet Kahasi in the Midbar, or is the general rule even Levim, and this was an exception that it was Dafka Kohanim. But either way, it was the Kohanim, who were, of course, a subset of Levi, who were going to be carrying the Aaron. And now, in Pasuk Dalad, the Shotrim's orders continue. The, you should follow the Aaron, but you should, uh, you should uh, keep your distance, you keep, a, keep, a, keep an appropriate following distance, a little longer than cars do. The following distance should be 2,000 Amas. And Amo, we say, is usually, Amo is typically assumed to be between about a foot and a half and two feet. So this, is some, this is somewhere between, you know, three, four thousand feet, you know, two-thirds of a mile or so, that you should keep uh, this distance from the Aaron. al tikruwe love, do not go too close to the Aaron. Then it says, l'man in order that you know the, the route, in order that you know where to go, 
and it's important that you know the route. It's not so simple. You have never passed this way before. Two days ago, three days ago, this is a new road for you. So make sure you understand the route. How to read this pasuk is a little bit tricky. If he's telling them to keep 2,000 amas away, how does that explain why they should know where to go? So some say Lamana Shirtedu was going back uh, on the previous pasuk. Follow the Aron. It's important to follow the Aron in order that you should know where to go, but also keep back 2,000, 2,000 amas. Others say no. Others say that they were supposed to keep back because in, in order to see where the Aron was going, they had to, uh, to be back so they could see you know, how to turn. If they were, if they were tailgating the Aron, they, 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 it would be hard for them to follow and see exactly. I guess they could see the Aron, but it would be hard for them to, to plan their, their trip accordingly. This way, by giving the Aron some lead, they, they could see where, where to go. They, 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 could more effectively, they could more effectively follow the Aron. So, so the question. Right. So, so, so the question is: Were there, were there, uh, were there tribes on the side of the Arn, or, or was the Arn really extended and isolated in front? Precarious. It can get captured, or it can get maybe it wasn't covered for the Arn. I don't know. My, my impression was that they were. My impression was that they were all behind the Aron, but I'm not. Uh, I'm not 100 percent sure. Maybe we'll see some of them in Farshim here. We'll see how they describe it. The well, so in terms of what this formation was all about, maybe that'll give us some light in, in, in how exactly how it looked. So why were they supposed to keep back 2,000 amas? First of all, there's a major question here. Um, when the Torah said, when the Navi says, is that a maximum or a minimum? Were they saying? Stay within two thousand. Were they saying keep away at least two thousand, or, or exactly two thousand, not more or not less? So some understand that it was. Some understand that it was. Uh, it was a minimum. They should be at least two thousand amas back to give them space. So they could see where they could see what the Aaron was doing. The others understand there's a midrash that understands that, that it was a maximum that, that, that they were saying don't go more than two thousand amos, and the midrash says the reason was because when it was Shabbos, the Jews the Jews were supposed to the Jews were supposed to be able to walk to the Aron and pray at the Aron. So and on Shabbos we have an Isra of Tchum Shabbos. You're not allowed to not allowed to walk more than two thousand amos outside. A person's maximum Tchum is two thousand amos. In a city like like here where we live, it doesn't matter because in a city you're allowed to go as far as you want. But if you if you're outside a city, if you're camped in the in a field, or if you're at the edge of a city and you travel outside the city, you're only allowed to go two thousand amos. So the Jewish camp had to the Jewish camp had to reach within uh, within two thousand amos of the Aaron because otherwise they couldn't have walked from the Jewish camp to the Aaron on Shabbos, and that was important. They should be able to mispalel in front of the in front of the Aaron on Shabbos. Some say that that Shabbos was specifically the what was specifically the going to be the Shabbos of um, of Yericho that. It's a Shabbos. When, when, when you besiege Yericho, it's going to be Shabbos. Don't don't be more than 2,000 Amas. Why? So you can go and pray in front of the Aaron on Shabbos. So, mm-hmm. The main difference is throughout the, the uh, sojourn in the desert, they had to be within 2,000 Amas. That's an awful lot of people to get within a Right, so, 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 so I, don't, I don't think all the people would have had to be within 2,000 amas. As I said before, that the rule is if you live in a city and your city is, it can be three miles across, just, you know, three mile diameter, three mile side of a square, 
So two thousand amas is only calculated from the edge of the city. So if, if you uh, if, if you can walk to the edge of the city and then go up to two thousand amas further. So if we if we I don't remember if this is discussed explicitly in the Gemara or not. If we view the Jewish encampment as a city, a temporary city, then the Jews could walk from the edge of their encampment another two thousand amas. And it wasn't really a permanent city, so I'm not sure. It's a good question, actually. I'm not, I don't remember if we say they were all. I think it's I think it is discussed explicitly in the Talmud, perhaps even. I don't remember. Off the top of my head, whether we say see, right, if you, like I said, if it was the whole camp within uh, within two thousand amas, that would have been a pretty dense. Uh, that would have been a wall to wall people. Yes, that's a good point. So the, the Talmud assumes they did. The, the Talmud derives actually many halachas of Shabbos and Eruv. Uh, you know, we do derive these things from the certainly Shabbos and even Eruv. As a matter of fact, when it says. Uh, one of the commandments of Shabbos is uh, 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 Moshe, Hashem commanded, Moshe commanded, Shvu ish tachtav, everyone should remain where he is, al mukomo, no man should leave. So that there, there are several interpretations of what that commandment was. Some say it meant carrying, it, mean, it meant if you're holding something, if you're carrying something, don't walk around, don't carry on it on Shabbos, which is the issue of carrying on Shabbos. Others say it meant tchum, that Shvu ish tachtav meant uh, don't, don't leave the tchum. It's actually a big machlokas, you're right, it's actually a big machlokas because. Tchum is a machlokas, whether it's Daraisa or Jeraban. There's a major machlokas in the Talmud whether the Isra of Tchum Shabbos is a biblical commandment or a rabbinic one. Um, if, it is, if it is, some say, there are three positions. Some say Tchum is Jeraban, some say Tchum is Daraisa, some say that the regular Tchum that we're talking about of 2,000 Amas is, is, is Jeraban, but there is a Tchum called Yud Beis Mil, which is, which is 12 times that, which is, which is, uh, which, which is Daraisa. But yes, yeah, so, so, so this pasuk of Shuvish Tachtav, I think the Gemara itself says, if you say Tchumen is Daraisa, the pasuk can refer to that. If Tchum is not Daraisa, then the pasuk refers to carrying, or, or Tosa says that. So that, that's a discussion whether, that's that, right, you're right, it's actually a discussion whether the laws of Tchum applied in the desert or not, whether, whether they're alluded to in the Torah or not. But right, so here it sounds like we're going according to the idea that, that there was an Isra of Tchum. In, in, in this time, at least in the time of Yeshua, that the Isra of Tchum was, was enforced. Um, was enforced, and okay, so so they so they have to they have to be two thousand amas from the aron. When it says kel payamama, so kaf in Hebrew often means approximate or about. Uh, the the, the means like we say in English, like you know, like is. Uh, so so some understand the kaf means also the kaf also means like here. Others understand this kaf is this kaf. Sometimes the kaf in Hebrew means an exact amount. Was the width of the Yardain included? Right. So we're actually we're going to learn a little bit about the size of the Yardain later in this parak when we describe the the actual crossing. So I don't know. I, I don't know how big the exactly how big the Yardain was back then. Was it included in the two thousand Amos? That's a good question. And at this point, yet they hadn't even crossed the Yardin, so they were still on one side. But when they crossed, how did you factor in the width of the Yardin itself? That's a good point. Have either now? Oh, um, I don't remember. I think I saw that. I think I saw that. I don't know which part. I think when I was in Israel, I did see the Yardin. I don't remember what, where in the Yardin I would have seen. It. I'm pretty sure I, I once traveled there. I don't remember. I don't remember actually for sure. Right. Yeah, I, I don't know how precisely we know exactly where they crossed. I guess it was near Yericho, and I guess we, we do have some evidence about where Yericho was, archaeological evidence, I think. But, um, so, right, so what exactly does the cuff mean? So, all, so the Radak says 
this kaf is kaf ashir, not uh, not kaf adimion. First he says, but it's uh, that kaf is sometimes used to introduce a measurement. In English we don't speak like that, but when you introduce a, uh, a measure of something, you often say kaf. And then he says, and he brings other interpretations as well about, about how to interpret this. Uh, about, other interpret how to interpret this cuff. He says. Right, he brings several interpretations here, grammatical interpretations, how we interpret this cuff, whether it's a cuff ashir to denote a certain measurement, whether it is uh, other interpretations as well. So they had uh, 2,000 amas, or the Radak says the reason he told him to go this distance is in, in order that you should you know, give it some space so you can see where to go. He brings the Midrash about the brings the Midrash about the about the the, the, the davening and the trum, and it says that when it says you didn't travel this route, this route, the Radak says, meaning this route of splitting the Arjun, you never certainly never crossed this route before. I don't think the Jews had been here before in general. Forget the forget splitting the Arjun, but the. Some say it means that you never traveled in this mode of travel with with uh, with the Aron leading the way. Either way, you didn't travel this route. You didn't travel through the Arden. You haven't traveled with Aron in front of you. This is a new a new procedure. So be careful. You, know, you leave some margin for error. And give it some care. That's what he told them to do. And then Pasuke Yeshua says that the Bayomer Yeshua. El Ha'am, his Kadashu, be, uh, prepare yourself, get ready. The, the term Kodesh in Hebrew often means holiness, but it sometimes just means to prepare. So he told them, prepare yourself. His Damnu Rashi says, Ki Hashem because tomorrow, the day that you're going to cross the Yardin, Hashem is going to do the miracles, great Nisim, great Nisim, and he's going, he's going to split the Yardin. He's going to split the Yardin uh, on the next day. So the. Right, so this apparently this apparently would have been would have been the day before that would have been the day before that uh, that that they would be crossing the yard in the next day. That the that the it, it says Vayelinu Shem Terem Yavaru. So before that before that night, he told them, prepare yourself tomorrow. You're going to see an incredible thing. You're going to experience an incredible thing. Tomorrow you're going to cross the Yardane with this great miraculous splitting of the Yardane. Yeshua gave orders to the Kohanim. You will carry the Aron. And you will travel, you will pass before the people. And you will... And you will... Uh, and, and, and you ca- carry the Aron, the, the Ark of the Covenant, before the people. And they did so. We should note, by the way, that the that that when 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 Yeshua had told them tomorrow Hashem is going to split the Yardin, the Navi has not mentioned yet that, that Yeshua had any communication with Hashem. Hashem had not told him this was going to happen. The in the next pasuk in pasuk Zion, we haven't read this yet. Hashem is going to tell Yeshua, "I'm going to make a great nace today, that, that people will see that uh, I'm going to split the Yardin. Everyone will see my power." But when Yeshua gave these orders that, that Hashem will do niflaos. Yeshua had not yet had this conversation with Hashem. Hashem had not yet told him he would split the Yardin. So where did Yeshua get the idea that Hashem would split the Yardin? How did he know? So the Radak explains, the Radak explains, even though he hadn't had that conversation yet, that 
even, there's a lot of things we do that make us resemble so that, that since Hashem said you're going to cross the Yardin and Yeshua looked at the Yardin and we're going to see the Pesukim later the Yardin was full and overflowing it was the time of the year with, uh, it was swollen with, uh, with water and it was very full Yeshua understood that there was no way they were going to get across that there was no way they were going to get across without a uh, with, without an ace since, since Hashem had already told him even though Hashem didn't tell him explicitly specifically that Hashem that he was going to make an ace and split the Yardin but he had told him that Ba'od Shloshes Yamim Atim Overim. He had told him uh, that, uh, I'm sorry, that he had he had told him that that, that uh, he had told him that we're going to Hashem had told him that we're going to cross. He didn't say how, but Yeshua understood. Hashem must mean he's going to make a nace because uh, there's no other way they're getting across. The the way the Radak puts it is, Hey Chiyad Yeshua Zeh. How did Yeshua know? Hashem had not yet told him, Achel Gadelcha was the next day. He had given these instructions to the Jews the night before Hashem was going to make Nisim. And it wasn't until the next day that Hashem said, um, However, the Radak says, Hashem had told him that you are going to, uh, that, that, that you are going to cross the Yardin. That had, that had already occurred, that had already occurred uh, on the previous day. That, 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 that Hashem said you, that go cross the Yardin that was back in uh, that was back in that was back in right at the beginning of the Sefer Yeshua the, the second part of Yeshua Moshe Avdi Yardin. that happened on the 30th day after Abel Moshe for the three days that happened already on Zion Nisan when the 30 days of Abel Moshe had terminated the, the Avelis was over. Yeshua began to have nevuah. All the all the incidents in Sefer Yeshua begin. So back then already, Hashem had said, "Kuma varas yarden hazeh, go cross the Yarden." So Hashem had already told him that, and and he told him that in three days you're going to cross, and uh, that that at that point, Hashem said, "Yeshua said you're going to cross the Yarden in three days." Hashem had apparently indicated that you're going to cross the Yarden in three days. I don't think Hashem. I don't think the Pesukim explicitly said over there. Hashem told him three days, but, but the idea was that Yeshua understood that we're crossing imminently in several days. That's why Yeshua gave the order, you're going to cross in three days. How did Yeshua know that we're going to cross in three days? Apparently Hashem had told him you're going to cross in three days. So Hashem hadn't said you're going to make Nisim. You could learn, I guess, that's not stated, but Hashem did tell him that. But the Radak is learning that Yeshua wasn't told explicitly that Hashem wouldn't make miracles, but he was told, apparently, that they're going to cross the Yardin imminently in three days. Yeshua said, we're going to cross the Yardin? Doesn't look, doesn't look crossable to me. Doesn't look passable to me. It looks like it's uh, a ton of water before the you know, modern agricultural diversions or whatever. So Yeshua said, apparently, Yeshua obviously trusted Hashem and believed Hashem. So he understood Hashem meant he's going to make great nisim, a great nace. And that's why Hashem told the people, watch, I, I have confidence in Hashem. You'll see tomorrow. I know we're crossing tomorrow, that's the plan, and, and, and uh, obviously Hashem is going to make great nisim for us. Yeshua had the confidence to say that without even having heard so directly from Hashem. So Yeshua gave these instructions, he told the people, get ready, you're going to see great nisim. Yeshua told the Kohanim, carry the Aaron and pass at the head of the people. They did so. And then the next day, when they were about to cross the Yardin, Vayomra Hashem al-Yoshua, Hashem, now Hashem told Yeshua explicitly, Hayom hazeh ochel gadelcha b'nei kol Yisrael, Today I will begin to make you great. People will have great respect for you when they see the nace that I perform for you. Asher they will know. That just as I was with Moshe and I made great nisim for, for Moshe in the desert, I will make great nisim for you. 
this is a motif that we had several times in uh, that we had several times in uh, in, in Perik Aleph. He's, uh, Hashem told Yeshua in Perik Aleph Pasuk Hey, Lo Kasher Moshe As I have been with Moshe, I will be with you. And then he said, uh, and then he said later. Later, the when when they got up and Reuven spoke to him, he, they, they said that, that they said that we, we will be with you. But they said, only let Hashem be with you as He was with Moshe, and we'll respect you and follow you. And here Hashem was saying that I'm going to demonstrate this in a in a spectacular and public way. I'm going to demonstrate that yes, I am with you. I am supporting you and helping you the way I was with Moshe. Again, the Moshe, Yeshua was Moshe's famous disciple, and much of the much of the the, the, the Navi keeps emphasizing that things that happened to Yeshua paralleled and were a continuation of the things that happened to Moshe. So Hashem was saying, "I'm going to make a great demonstration here that I am with you as I was with Moshe." And He told Yeshua, "You now command the Kohanim who are carrying the Aron and leading the Jewish people. Command them as follows: when you when you reach the edge of the Yardin, when when, when you, you you're marching forward into the Yardin, when you reach the edge of the Meha Yardin, by Yardin Tamodu, stop, go into the edge of the Yardin, uh, take your first steps in, then by Yardin Tamodu, stop inside the Yardin. We're going to see this in the subsequent Sukkim. As long as the Kohanim with the Aron were in were in the water, the that was what triggered the the splitting of the Yardin, the, the water stopping and clearing out and forming a passage across. So the Kohanim, even though they were leading, they had to stay there. They had to stop leading temporarily, I guess. They had to stay in the Yardin while all the Jewish people crossed. Because as soon as the Kohanim were, were leave, the Yardin was going to uh, was going to return and, and and become impassable again. So the, the Kohanim they led, they stepped into the Yardin. Then they were going to stop, and that and, and, and that would hold the Arden back for as long as the entire Jewish people crossed. And uh, we'll see more details of how this worked in the in the subsequent sukkim. But but these were the initial instructions that, that Hashem told Yeshua. Yeshua was to tell the Kohanim that tell them to stop when they reach the Arden. And the next pasuk says Yeshua began to give these instructions. Yeshua told the people, "Come here. I have an important announcement for you." Hear the words of God, and Yeshua was now going. Yeshua would now begin to give the people, give the people their the instructions uh, about the great nace that would occur today. With this shall you know, with what you see today, what you experience today, you will know that the living God is in your midst. But, and you'll and you'll extrapolate from this. By seeing what, I, what Hashem does today, the great power that Hashem has, you will see that Hashem is going to also follow through and expel all these people from you and give you uh, in, from your, in front of you and give you Eretz Canaan. The, the Ark of the Covenant of Hashem, the Master of the whole world, the Master of all the land, is passing before you in the Yardin. And uh, and your instructions are these weren't specified by Hashem apparently, but Yeshua said that the that take take from yourselves twelve people, one person from each shevet, and we'll see what those people were we're going to do soon. But in the meantime, we'll return to this next in the next share. But in the meantime, just to, just to see the uh, basic sense of the psukim. 
when the soles of the feet of the Kohanim, who are carrying the Aron, the Aron of Hashem, who is the master of the whole land, when they, when their soles of their feet rest in the Yardin, when they, when they step into the Yardin, the water of the Yardin, may Hayardin Nikaraisun, the waters of the Yardin shall be cut off. Hamayim Hayardim Milmala, the water that was descending from the river flows downward, so the water that was descending from upward will stop. The water wouldn't disappear, but the water would stop flowing. It would just start to pile up in one spot. The water would keep flowing down, and it would just stop at some point, and it would just start to pile up in a thing like this. And we'll see the further psukim, and, and, and the water that was already there would keep flowing downstream. So eventually you'd have a clearing where the where all the, all the upstream water had stopped descending past a certain point, and all the downstream water had flowed away, and they would have a space where they would cross, and that's how they crossed. We'll see this in more detail when we return, uh, the, when we return in, in several weeks.